Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we will hear from lead pastor Dave Carroll as he teaches a message titled, We Jump In. Let's join in now. We're going to jump right into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm reading from the New King James Version. You may have a different version. That's okay. This is not on the screen. And one of the reasons it's not on the screen is uh, we like to crack the Bible open around this place, all right? It's all right. Like when you crack it open, it's a maze. Sometimes, you know, from this vantage point, you see folks who you, you could tell it's like the first time they've opened it and they, they're opening it going like, am I going to die? You know, is something going to happen? And uh, then you open it and you say, no, this is where I have life. And so in First Thessalonians chapter 2, just want to read this verse, and it's a great kickoff to the message today, we jump in. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Thessalonian. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. If you don't know, Paul was the guy who planted this young church in Thessalonica, okay? And he's writing to them saying, when we came to you, it wasn't for nothing, and, uh, and so he continues on in verse 2 and says, But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, uh, a good portion of our church knows about Philippi because we went through the book of Philippians, and hopefully you remember uh, what had happened there as Paul was trying to get Philippi going. It says, As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God. That's the good news of Jesus Christ in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanliness, was it, or was it in deceit? Uh, he's saying, hey, I didn't come to you to trick you or to, to dupe you into something. It says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. Don't you want to please God this morning? I know I do. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is a witness. That means, hey, we didn't come to bring the gospel so that we could make money or so that we could get fame or power, but we came uh, so that God could be glorified. It said, nor did we seek glory from men in verse 6, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as an apostle of Christ. But we were gentle among you. Now, guys, uh, don't check out on me after this part of the message. You may check out because I don't know why Paul chose to use this lingo, but he did. But just track with me. Well, you know, how about track with Paul? Let's throw him under the bus a little bit. It says, but we were gentle among you, just as nursing as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. That's pretty gentle for a guy to say, isn't it? Um, are there any guys that, that just want to identify with a nursing mom? Just raise your hand. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ryan, and that's why you have a good marriage there, man. That's what I'll say. But he says, we were gentle among you, just as, nurse, as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. And here's the verse I want to come to uh, that sets up our message for today. <clears throat> when he came to the church, he was trying to embed in the church of Thessalonica a DNA of great love for each other. He was trying to model this. And so this is what he says in verse 8. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. You know, it's important at church <laughs> and, and when you're around the church to hear the gospel, isn't it? But he said, we didn't stop there. And I love this next part. It says, but also, what does it say? Our own lives. He said, I didn't, we didn't just give you information. 
we shared with you our life together. That's a little bit more sacrifice, isn't it, at the end of the day? It's one thing to say, yeah, yeah, I, I told someone about God or the Bible or my church, but whoa, whoa, I'm sharing with you my life. Hey, now, hold on a second. That is a little too much. And this is why he did it. He said, because you had become dear to us. Here are your first two blanks in your message today. There are two basic ways God uses us to spread the gospel. And here they are. Speaking and living. You see it there from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8. Speaking and living. Now, many times uh, and when we're hearing a message, you'll hear the speaking part, right? You, you gather a little bit about the Bible. You apply it to your life. You take it home. But today... We're focusing more on that second one. It's the living part. It's the part where God demands from us not only to give Jesus our lives, but to share a, a significant, a, an important part of our life with each other as the church. And so we're going to focus in on this living example. And uh, the challenge today, just like we've named this Sunday, is to jump in. So to kind of get you going on the idea of jumping in, I want to tell you the story of a boy named Bobby. Are you ready to hear a good story this morning? <coughs> I decided to read this story because it's a little long, and I wanted to say it right. So here's what happened. In 1938, a boy by the name of Bobby was born in the city of Butte, Montana. He was raised by his grandparents from the age of eight after his parents divorced and decided to leave Montana along with Bobby and his brother, behind. <laughs> wow. Bobby left high school after his sophomore year to become a diamond drill operator, where he once got in trouble for making his earth mover do a motorcycle trick. He was fired from the job when he did the said wheelie into Butte's main power line, leaving most of the city without power for hours. After bouncing around in jail for various criminal activity, Bobby was into rodeos and ski jumping. He even won the Northern Rocky Mountain Ski Association Class A Championship of 1959. What a guy, right? Man, he's talented. <coughs> he joined the Army and took up pole vaulting and was part of the Army pole vaulting team. After the Army, he returned to Butte where he married his wife, Linda. To earn money to support his new wife, he conned the 1960 Czechoslovakian ice hockey team to play a team he formed in Butte only so that he could run off with all of the money after being ejected in the third period. <laughs> this is quite a life, isn't it? <clears throat> after the birth of his son, Kelly, Bobby decided to try and make more money with the hunting and fishing skills his grandpa had taught him, so he formed a guide service that guaranteed big game every trip with a money-back promise if the trip came up empty. How about that kind of guide, huh? Yeah, I think I need one of those. Um, he was very successful with this guide service until the game wardens realized he was hunting in Yellowstone National Park. <laughs> he then hitchhiked to Washington, D.C. once his guide service failed. It's a true story, true story of a boy named Bobby. He then hitchhiked to Washington, D.C. after his guide service failed when he could no longer hunt in Yellowstone from Butte, Montana, so he could stop the culling of elk. Culling is the process of removing or killing animals from a species so that you can modify which characteristics pop out when they breed. And so he saw a lot of that happening in Yellowstone when he spent time there and decided he would lobby the government, and he was successful in bringing many animals back into Montana into our general region. Wow, how about that? 
After returning home from Washington, D.C., Bobby decided to stop committing crimes to earn his living. That's a good choice, huh? And sell insurance to make a living. Wait, I thought he said, never mind. Uh, But there was a jump he would take that would change the course of his life. He even set up a show, promoted and sold tickets to the jump. So Bobby took a motorcycle and jumped a 20-foot-long box of rattlesnakes with two mountain lions in it. Barely making it as his back tire caught the back of the box before he managed to skid to safety. A short time later, Bobby met a guy named Bob Blair who would finance and provide for his motorcycles and stunts. Because of this new financing, Bobby made his first promoted jump on a motorcycle under the name Evel Knievel on January 3rd, 1966, at the age of 28. Can you imagine everything I've read? The guy's only 28 years old. Whoa. And the rest was history. I don't know if your life has been as crazy as the guy named Evel Knievel, E-V-E-L. I don't know if your life has been normal, mundane, just average, and that's okay. Or whether or not maybe you've walked in today and you're super successful. I don't know what the past is like from this point forward. But I do know this. There is a jump that God wants you to take today. Every single person, no matter your place in life. A jump that will erase your past. Give you a new identity. A jump that will help you in your identity in Christ. And it will make it rock solid to the point where you will never doubt or, or lose your zeal for the Lord if you'll commit to this jump today. And the jump is in to small groups. So, where do we jump in and why do we jump in? Let's look at that today based off of 1 Thessalonians 2.8 where we share our lives. Look at your first blank. We jump into life together. We jump in to life together. At Elevation, groups are how we love each other but we don't become a club. You see, one of the challenges of the church is a church is meant, we're put here on earth. The only thing we could do on earth that we can't do in heaven is share our faith in Jesus Christ as a church. And so we have to be outward focused. There's no way that we can be a church who is inward focused and not care about the lost, not care about new people. This is why we have people in the parking lot on a snowy day. Aren't they champions? Uh, We don't put them out there because, well, we, you know, obviously we have plenty of parking. We don't put them out there because, oh, make sure a car gets in the slot. No, we put them out there because we care about people. We care about people. But we can't um, do all this and then never spend time together because a church is also meant to have not only an outward focus, but we're supposed to have this relationship between us, this bond in Christ that is so special and that we get to know each other. And so groups is how we do this. It lets us keep our Sunday morning outward focus. I don't know about you, but I love our Sunday mornings. I love them. And we want to keep them this way. And so groups is this, this important thing that we have to do, and it helps us do life together. This is what we call a great commandment lifestyle. If you know it, say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and the fourth one is your strength. And then the challenging one is, the second is just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It's a great commandment lifestyle. You see, Jesus has always commanded from the get-go that we do life together 
as those who are his children. We have to love God, but we also have to love others. And I have to be honest with you. In the northern states, not just Montana or western states, not just west, it's all northern states. Uh, I have a friend who is planting a church in New Hampshire, and he comes up with the same things that I see here in, in, in a colder, icier, snowier culture. Rugged individualism is, is like inbred in the DNA of people who have been here a long time. It's easy to say, I got this covered. I can take care of my own life. But that, that just wars against who God has made the church to be. We cannot do this thing alone. I have news for you. Up in heaven, there's a big party going on with lots of people. And if you think God's going to give you just the house on the mountain, <laughs> away from everybody, when you get to heaven, it's going to be a rude awakening. And, and here's the thing. He asks us to start this biblical community right here, right now. Why? Because it's a taste of heaven. It's a taste of eternity together under the banner of our king. God has intended the church to be the church. And here's the thing. You may say, well, I like to come to church. And that's, a, that's kind of a wrong term. Uh, we don't come to church. We come to worship, don't we? We are the church. And, and here's the thing. People who say, well, I believe in God, but I don't want that church stuff. If you read the rest of this book that we're in, 1 Thessalonians, and carry on to 2 Thessalonians, you'll see that Jesus says he's coming back for the who? He's coming back for the church. And it's amazing to me. It's mind-boggling. It's mind-blowing how people think, well, I don't want to be a part of the church. And I'm thinking, you might think differently at the return of Christ, at the second coming. You may go, whoops, wait, 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 get, get me in there. I want to be a part of the church. No, Jesus, please let me in. But... But we have to watch it because in, embedded in our lifestyle, because of where we've grown up, is this little thing that is not terrible. There are some good parts to our rugged individualism in the northern states. Uh, there's a lot of can-do attitude, which is good. That's why we have an awesome church. That's why people set up early. And those parts are good. But when we carry it too far to where we don't want others in our life because it might hurt or we might be embarrassed or maybe we have to change this goes against doing life together. And so here's what I would like you to do. Uh, just check this out on the screen. Here's a little bit about what small groups have meant in the past here at Elevation.
See, when you jump into life together, God can do amazing things. And here is great truth number one. And I would like you to write this down here in your, in your program this morning. Here it is. Write down, I need other believers in my life. Write it down. I need other believers in my life. That is a great truth. So we jump into life together, but we also jump in to God's Word. God's Word. This is your second blank today. Now, God's Word is often the one thing that cannot be missing. Uh, do, have you ever had one of those situations where you set something big up and you forgot the most important thing? Uh, God's Word is what separates us from the Elks Lodge, from a sports league, from a Pinterest club, or even a hunting club. God's Word sets us apart, and uh, we can't live without it. And, and many times, small groups, I find this, People jump into small groups, and, and, and their time in God's Word expands during the group time. Why? Because there's some accountability on the backside. You know you're going to show up. And even if, like, you only open your Bible one day a week instead of none, because the small group, the day of, oh, man, I better do some of this, right? Um, it gets you into God's Word. And believe it or not, God can even use that kind of opening your Bible, even the simplest kind. But you can't forget about it. I remember being a young parent with my first of four boys, Aiden Carroll, going to the grocery store, coming back with a car full of groceries. And we lived up on the second story of an apartment in Jupiter, Florida. And my first time I went and got the groceries, I decided, because Aiden was sleeping, to bring all the groceries upstairs first. Well, I had the last bag in my hand, and I got up, and I, start, and I put it on the counter in the, in the kitchen there. And I looked around, I started putting the food up, and I went, man, it just seems like I forgot something. You know, it, it's like, you know, don't look down at me. Don't call, um, you know, whoever it is. It's, it was 15 years or 10 years ago, and he's alive now, right? So uh, somehow, some way, it's because of Amy, just so you know. Uh, but I started looking around, and I thought, man, I, there's just something that's not quite right. You know, everything seems good. And then all of a sudden, about a minute later, I went, Aiden, this is why they should never send a kid home with me, you know? And, and God's Word is a lot that way. Many times we'll go on about our life each day, and we'll never crack open God's Word, and, and we get a little bit down the road in life, and stuff happens, you know. Um, we lose jobs. We um, have family struggles, marriage struggles. We have trouble parenting our kid, and we've never equipped ourselves with the one thing. We go, oh, it's God's Word, and then all of a sudden, that stuff drives us back into it out of circumstance. Well, what groups does is groups help us jump into God's Word out of love for God, and it kind of stores up the treasure of God's Word in our life. And so um, here, is, uh, here are a few areas you may want to write down that we need to expand our palate in God's Word. You can write them down if you want, or just try to pick one as I'm saying them. The first one is doctrine. We have to get our Bible straight. Remember how I told you the story over Christmas of the person who said, yeah, I have Jesus in my heart. And I said, well, is Jesus truly God? I'm not sure about that. Huh? How can you be a Christian? You have to get doctrine right. Uh, the second is Scripture memory. Scripture memory is possible. Trust me, if I can memorize Scripture, you can. Ask my wife. I have a terrible memory. All right? And, and then here's the next thing you have to do. Here's a good word. Uh, I heard it at a retreat a few weeks ago. Impart. Impart. You have to be able to learn enough of God's Word to impart it to those closest to you. You know whose job it is to raise your children up in the Lord Jesus? It's yours. Does the church help? Yes, we do. Can we do it all? No way. Not possible. But you have to learn enough of God's words that you can transfer it to your husband, to your wife, to your kids, to your family, to your mom, to your dad, to your friends, to your work, people at work. Impart. That's the next word. And then here's the last one. I just want, There's more that you could say, but life change. 
We have to learn God's word for life change. If we just learn a bunch of knowledge, then guess what? We have totally failed. That's a big F. We get big heads and we can barely walk around, you know, because you've met that Christian before who knows so much and can't live it out and their head just kind of sits on the floor and they can't go anywhere. So here's what I want you to know. When you know a ton but seem to struggle to live out what you know, that's a problem, isn't it? When you know so much but you can't live it out. But it's also a problem when your life kind of looks like Jesus. It's starting to look like the Bible. You go, wow, compared to who I used to be, my life is way different. Uh, This is great. But you know nothing of the Bible. That's a problem, too, because you'll never mature in Christ. You have to know who the, what's going on in Scripture. And so groups are how we mesh the speaking and the living. It's groups are how we mesh the knowing and the doing. Do you get what I'm saying? This is the value of groups. And so here's the next great truth. Write this down in your program. I need God's Word in my life. I need God's Word in my life. And speaking of the Bible, um, I know that right now we're in a vision series, but in a few weeks we're going to begin a brand new uh, message series, and we're going to go through the book of First John uh, in the Bible in the New Testament, uh, verse by verse. It'll be awesome. It's going to tell you a lot about who God is, and so get ready for that. That's in two weeks. We'll begin through First John. Maybe invite a friend for the beginning of that on February 9th. Here's the third thing: accountability. We jump into accountability. I would like you to write this down. This will help you not only in your walk with God, but everything, with your parenting, with your marriage, with your work. And here it is. We rarely do what's expected. Just write that down. We rarely do what's expected. You know, we all know uh, as guys that we're not supposed to cuss, but somehow when the hammer hits our thumb at work, you know, it it just, it's like, whoa, it's going to happen. And we know what's expected, but uh, I don't know. You know, we know that we need to treat our spouse right and love our spouse We know what's expected, but here's the next part of that. We rarely do what's expected, but we usually do what is inspected. I-N-S-P-E-C-T-E-D. We usually do what's inspected. And groups provides the accountability in three areas. Write these down. Write down these three words. Be, do, and go. Three two-letter words. Be, do, and go. We get accountability to be who God asks us to be. It doesn't matter where you're at. You don't have to be a super Christian. You don't, even have, you don't have to be a, a long-term Christian to get in a group. You don't even have to be a part of Elevation Church to be in a group. All you have to do is make the time so you can have the accountability to be who God asks you to be, to develop the character, the things you can't buy with silver or gold. You can't read in a book. They only come through interacting with God and his church. The next thing that it gives us accountability in is to do what God asks me to do. Do you ever know what you got to do and, and know who you need to become, but you just have trouble doing it? Like, at the end of the day, it's like, ugh, I got to do it. I actually got to wake up and do it and, like, turn out the end of the day and say, I did it. I, I actually gave the effort to, to be who God wants me to be. Well, groups help you do that as well. And then here's an important thing. They give us accountability to go the long haul in our faith. If you jump in with other believers, they will hold you up when you're falling. You know that time where you just feel like quitting, quitting on God? I, I have those times. You have those times. We have them. What small groups do is they help us go the long haul. When you don't have the strength, God provides the people to hold you up, to help you in any area, you name it. There's not an area too embarrassing that God's church can't help you through in your life. And here's the next great truth from 
Number three, accountability. God often uses others in my life to accomplish his work. God often uses others in my life to accomplish his work. You want to see God work? Get around others who love him. And here's the final way that God uses groups. And this is a really important way. Everybody, turn in your program because we're going to read this together, or you can read it up on the screen, the verse. We jump into the depths of the power of God. How many of you want the power of God in your life? Do you really want the power of God in your life? You, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about doing the Holy Ghost hip hop during a worship service, all right? What I'm talking about is the power of God that when you, when you put your hands to work, when you are working on your marriage, when you are working at your job, when you are working and putting your hands into the dirt, when you are serving at church, do you want something that only you can do to happen or something that God can come and make better out of your life than you ever thought possible? This is the depths of the power of God. Well, what groups does is it gets us more in the center of the power of God as we sharpen ourselves through others. And I want to give you this picture right here in Ezekiel 47, verses 1 through 12. This is in the New Living Translation. Again, it's right there in your program. I would encourage you to read from or the screen. Just read silently as I read aloud. So Ezekiel is brought back to the entrance of the temple in Jerusalem. And here's what he says. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. So he, he sees a stream, right, flowing from the temple. The, verse 2, the man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took along the stream for 1,750 feet. He took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. So are you getting this? He's at the temple. He goes 1,750 feet down the stream, right? And then the guy goes, let's cross. <laughs> so here's what it says. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. Another 1,750 feet down the river, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me in verse 6, Have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the river. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. Are you getting this? This river full of life is flowing into the Dead Sea. It says the waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. For those of you who are new to Bible geography, the Dead Sea is exactly like it sounds. It is dead. It is six times saltier than the average sea in the world. Nothing can live in it. And this river is going to turn the Dead Sea fresh and pure and alive. And here's what it says in verse 9. There will, be, uh, there will be swarms of living things wherever this water flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish um, wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from the Engedi to the Engaglium. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they will fill the Mediterranean. 
But the marshes and swamps, check this out. That's in the middle of the river, kind of closer to the edge, right there at the edge. But the marshes and swamps, the outer lying areas, will not be purified. They will stay, what's that word? Salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves will be for healing. This is the picture of the power of God. Now, here's a little Bible lesson somewhere in the middle of this. Here in Ezekiel, this picture is is in what's referred to as the millennium in the Bible. That's the 1,000-year reign of Christ that happens after the seven-year tribulation. And I'll leave it there to whet your appetite if you're going, huh? Well, now you have something to Google. Seven-year tribulation of Christ, 1,000-year reign of Christ um, in the Bible. But this is saying what's going to happen when Jesus comes, the power of God will come. And here you have the picture in Scripture of two things, and this is how we close today. There are two choices. You have the flow of the power of God. And, and you see right there in Ezekiel, the closer that, that you get to the center, the more life there was. But the more you got out into the marshes and the swamp lands, and you got away from the flow of the power of God in, in isolation and in individualism and saying, hey, I'm my own person. I think I could do it on my own. And you get away from that flow. If you're out in the marshes, the Bible says, they will stay salty, and there will be no life there today. And so here is what we know. Here's the last great truth. You can write this down. God wants me to experience his power. God wants me to experience his power. Ultimately, groups is more, is more than just being uh, about fellowship. It's more than just about relationships. It's more than just about the Bible. Groups is about taking you from the individual isolated salty marshes and putting you in the flow of the river of the power of God in your life and to see his supernatural work happen and see places heal in your life that you never thought could be healed. See, you understand places in God's word that you never thought you could understand. Groups is about God doing the miraculous and that's why we take time out in the middle of the week, not just Sunday. You may go, why do I take time? Because I want God to do something so great that I'm willing to devote extra time to really get in his presence with other people into the flow. God wants you to experience his power. So today, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want, you to invite you, I want to invite you to jump into the river of God's power. Get out of the marshes and into small groups. In your program today, uh, just open that up. Take out your small groups brochure. One of the things we like to do at Elevation is make it incredibly easy. You know, some, some churches will say, you have to do this, and then you never know how to do it, or you can never find the person. But today is an important day in the life of Elevation Church. We are beginning small groups this week, literally this week. And if you can't come one week, like this week, and you go, oh, I'm gone this week, but I can go next, well, jump in and sign up. And here's what you do. You look through the list. There are groups happening uh, nearly every day of the week, not quite, but nearly every day of the week, you see the leader, you see the study. There are all kinds of different studies. And here's how you sign up. You just can sign your name and, and uh, bring your money out to the table and pay 
today, you can also sign up at elevationbillings.com. And here is our goal for Elevation Church. This is lofty, and some of you are looking at me like, Dave, you're crazy. But I know this. Our church will never be the church that God wants us to be unless we jump into life together in groups. You can sign up at elevationbillings.com. Or even better, today after service, here's the first thing. Kids ministry is okay. They're set up to do this. Every group leader and all the studies will be out on the table for you to meet. Uh, You can meet some of the host homes. If you're like, I don't know where I'm going or who this is, you can go meet them today after service right there before you go get your kids. Go out there and meet somebody. Our goal is for 100% 100 of the people to try to jump in, even if you can only make four groups because your job or, or maybe you're a mom and, uh, you know, kid stuff happens and you can only make a few. Jump in. Do something. Um, but our, our hope is that you really dig in and come to all of them. And so this brochure is really the crux of our response today. And, uh, and here's what I want to ask you. Here's the most important thing. Yes, we have to jump into groups. But before we go any further in the service today, maybe you've heard what it means to be a part of the church. And you're going, wow, I came in here and I don't know Christ or I've been holding out, not giving my life to Christ. And today I I want to, because it sounds like what people who believe in Jesus have is something I want. I need accountability. I need the power of God. I need to know more about God's word. I need people to live life together with. Well, you can't have any of that if you don't know Jesus first. And here's what the Bible says. Remember how we talked about speaking and living? Well, here's the speaking part. The Bible says this, that if you'll depend for your salvation, for your reconciliation with God on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his spilled blood that was shed for sin and how he rose again on the third day, the Bible says, say it with me, you will be what? Saved. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. You can find out more about our church or listen to other messages at elevationbuildings.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.